One of the things that I enjoy in life, sometimes at night, uh, if you hear people coming together and uh, there's a few families coming together, I don't know if it's happened to you, but it's happened to me a few times, and uh, you can sit at night time and you can hear these families together in a house and there's a joyful noise. Has it happened to you? There's laughter, and, there's, uh, and then you wonder what they're talking about in these homes, isn't it? You know, there's laughter, and then you hear little children up and down in the yard. And, and I always sit there, and I think, that is so wonderful. It is so, it's so precious for people to come together. And, uh, you know, sometimes, if you, especially when you come to festive days, Christmas and those days, and you drive down the road and you see all the people together at, at, at a location, and you see all the cars standing on the side, and you know that in that place there's people coming together. And whenever people come together, there's joy and there's laughter and there's catching up about things that happened in the past. And people like to do that. That, that is socializing. And we like to do that with our family, and we like to do it with church members. And it is one of the fascinating things for me in life. I love it. But you know what's more fascinating for me? is This morning, when we come together here in the church, and we are united, and we sing the same words on the, on the screen. We fellowship together. That is what it is. We all sing in accordance. We sing the songs and the joy of the Lord and, uh, and then there is uh, the table and then there is preaching and then afterwards one of the most fantastic things for me of coming together on a Sunday is afterwards we're going to, it's not only the food, okay, but we're going to get together outside and, uh, and brothers and sisters is going to stand around and talk to one another. This is how it ought to be and, and, and I implore you and I ask of you, you know, walk around with open eyes. Don't just go and stand in a corner there and, and go, oh, you know, I wonder what. No, no. Go out. You're in amongst the brothers and sisters of Christ. Amen. It's one of the most fascinating and fabulous places you'll ever be is amongst the children of God, the saints of God. And, and, if, and if you see somebody standing there maybe who's standing in, on a side or maybe sitting alone, walk over to that brother and sister and start talking to them. You may find you may find that they might have a really fascinating story. One of the most fantastic things for me is, is to sometimes sit with some people and ask them about their lives. Don't just tell them about your life. Ask them. And if they start sharing, it's all of these beautiful things that they can come out and share with you. Now, if this is in a worldly sense... You know, it's fascinating. They can tell you places they've been and experiences they've had and all of those things. But when you come into the church and you sit with brothers and sisters, now, you don't always have to have a Bible open in front of you and say, oh, the Scripture says it here. No, no. When we fellowship, it's flowing out. It's flowing out of you. And you can just share and you can just tell people. Sometimes you can tell people that life is tough. Where is a better place to share that with somebody than in the house of God? Where is a better place? Because if you're going to go outside the house of God and outside of the fellowship of your brothers and sisters, they're going to judge you. Isn't it right? They're going to say, but the reason is because it's your fault. Because in the world we find people who's pointing fingers and everybody wants to find fault with everybody and everything. When we come into the house of God, there should be a joyful noise, Aaron, isn't it? 
There should be joys inexpressible, unspeakable, and full of glory. And this is what I want to talk to you about today. As you know, we studied through the book of Acts, and last week I was telling you that we are finished with chapter 2, but guess what? We are not. We're coming to the last few verses of chapter 2. It is a passage in the Bible which is fascinating because a lot of people misinterpret it. A lot of people and churches today built their church models around these verses, which I'm going to show you. And they say to a lot of people that we, this, that's the house church model, and we should go into the house church model, and you will find today that that's not true. That's not true. It's, if you put it in context, it's not what the Scripture says. I want to talk to you today about the communion of the Holy Spirit. Did you know there's something like that? The communion of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever heard about that? Now I know those people who read their Bibles will say yes. But there's some people who might not. And I'm not holding it against you. But I want to talk to you about that community. The community. And it is so true that when we go into the world again, you find different kinds of communities, don't you? You find this community and you have all of the people coming to be part of that community and then that community. But here today, brothers and sisters, doesn't matter which church you're coming from. This is not the King's Way Christian Fellowship Karim Downs' communion. This is the communion of the body of Christ. That means, that if anybody comes through these doors, doesn't matter which church background they're coming from, when they walk through these doors every Sunday, they walk in afresh to receive a fresh communion of the Holy Spirit. Is that you? Is that you? And then I ask you to put all your preconcept ideas at the door and leave them there. Now listen to me. I didn't say put your mind at the door. You need your mind to listen to what I'm saying here this morning, don't you? And listen to the word of the Lord. So I want to talk to you about this passage here. And it's in continuance with the book of Acts chapter 2. So we open up there and we read the word of God. In Acts chapter 2 verse 40. Now let me give you a little bit of background quickly. Before this, what did Peter do? He preached the gospel. He preached the gospel. What happened earlier in the verse? The Holy Spirit were poured out upon them. Yes? It came as tongues of fire. Yes? And then they spoke in other dialects, in other tongues, and they speak in languages of everybody who was in Jerusalem. And a few weeks ago, I showed you the cross of Christ with Judea, the centerpiece of that. And then they were cut to the heart. Remember last week's message? And now it says in verse 40, And with many other words, this is Peter, he testified and exhorted them. The word there is proskelomai, the Greek word, he exhorted them. It means to call somebody out. That's what the Greek means. To call somebody out of a situation. The reason why you are sitting in this church this morning is that at some stage in your life, the Holy Spirit inspired your heart. There was good preaching and the Spirit of God called you out of a life of sin. That's why you're sitting here this morning. Otherwise, you would have been driving down this motorway. You would have gone your way as if there is no God. But the Bible says it's only a fool. Everybody say fool. 
it's only a fool who believes there is no God. And I definitely don't want to be a fool. Do you want to be one? Let's say it as it is, yes? In love and in meekness. But here is the thing. He says he exhorted them, he said to them, he pulled them, he procrastinated them out of those lifestyles they were in. And he said to them in these words, be saved from this perverse generation. And is there ever a time, is there ever a time that mankind needs to be saved out of a perverse generation than in 2022? Now, it's not you and my work to do the work of the Holy Spirit, but it is certainly our work to proclaim the gospel and to do what Peter did and to exhort people to come out of this life. And he says, then those who gladly receive, everybody say gladly receive. You see, there is two sides of it. There is the, the sowing of the seed, the proclaiming of the word of God, the heralding of the word. That's the Greek word of that. It is the proclamation of the word of God. But then there is also the receiving of the word. And you need to gladly receive the word of God. Otherwise, you will stay where you are. Nothing will change. You need to receive the word of God. And these men did, and these people did, and they were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. What a revival! Yes? 3,000 people. Do you know how many people that is? I mean, we won't have place in this little hall. <laughs> we'll have to go into the overflow, and we'll have to put chairs into the car park. But let me tell you, brothers and sisters, that's not my vision. If that is your vision or a church's vision, I'm not interested. My vision is, is to proclaim the gospel. I don't believe Peter was standing up that day and go, how many people can we write at the end of this sermon in the saved book? He didn't do that. Although there's a lot of focus on that in certain circles, but not over here. I will preach the gospel even if it's to one person, to five people, or to a thousand people weeks ago I preached in, uh, in Auckland, New Zealand, as you, guys, as, as you know, as, as your church members know, and one of the things when they called me a little bit nervous is they said to me, Bob is dear friend and brother now of myself, I met him over there, I need to say it right, Bob, yeah, Bob from Auckland, he called me up and he said, we're not a big fellowship, I said to me, doesn't matter, does it? But anyway, there were 3,000 that were saved. And in verse 42, he says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all of who believed were together and had all things in common. They had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as one had needed. So continually, daily, with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who being saved. Who added to the church? Who added to the church? Who? Yes. Whose church is it? The Lord's Church. 
Do I have to open up an ad now in the newspaper and say, hey guys, come to the church. It's a, it's a really vibrant church. It's a great church. There's good people. Do I, do I have to do that? No, who adds to the church? Why are you sitting here in this place? Look, it's a funeral home. Have you noticed? <laughs> you know, every Sunday, every Sunday people drive past you and they go, there's a big funeral going on. <laughs> there's a lot of people dying. And they are right. Because it's the sinners who die here. And it's the Lord who make them alive here. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Give the Lord a hand to that. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let me just ask you one more time. Who adds to the church? The pastor. You see, this is the thing here. Sometimes they look at the pastor and they say, Oh, your church is not growing. There's something wrong with the pastor. No, no, there's nothing. Well, it could be what he's preaching. You know, because if you preach the word of God, let me tell you, it is going to draw people because people, my brother, gets hungry for the word of God. And if you give them the word of God, what I've found in my life, they come for the word. They come for the word. Just one more time. Who added to the church? Praise the Lord. I love it. I love the word of God. So we turn now to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, where Paul writes now to the church in Corinth. And he talks about this communion, which I want to come to. He says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That is so wonderful. It is one of the only, no, the only, it's one of the verses in the Bible who gives you the Trinity in one verse. Have you noticed? He talks about the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus Christ is God. Do you? He says about that, and then he talks about the love of God. It is the Father. There you find the Father, and then he talks about the Holy Spirit. So, I worship and praise God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are three distinct persons in one. But I want to talk to you about the communion. I can't wait to get to the communion of the Holy Spirit. It is such a wonderful place to be when you come into the fellowship of the children of God and that communion is there. You see, the word communion here comes from the Greek word kunoinia. Kunoinia means fellowship. That's where it comes from. So when he talks about communion, he says we are fellowshipping together of the Holy Spirit. But first of all, if you want to fellowship in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit needs to be there. Yes? Have you invited the Holy Spirit this morning? Have you? You say, I don't have to invite Him. Why? Because He's already here. Why? Why do I say that? Isn't He in you? The Bible says He's in you and with you how long? Forever. He says the fellowship, and this is the koinonia. A deeper meaning of the word koinonia means to share which one has in everything. Now, this is important to understand when the Holy Spirit comes in, and it will open up the scripture which I read to you in Acts. Because in Acts, they all come together, and we know that they sold everything, and they went from house to house. What caused them to do that? What caused them to do that? What reaction? Because if you talk to the world right now, they will say, those people are crazy. 
I mean, Paulson, they worked their whole life to build their net worth up. And here they come to this church and something happened and they sell it and they give it away. It doesn't make sense in the world, does it? But it makes perfect sense where the Holy Spirit is. Koinonia is wonderful. There's this preacher, he said it the following. He just took the scripture and he, and, he, and he changed it a little bit so that I love it the way that he says it. He says, for a Christian, where's the Christians? Can you put up your hand? If you didn't put up your hand, we need to have a serious conversation. But anyway, he says, for a Christian is one who seeks and enjoys the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you doing that? Are you seeking the grace of the Lord? Are you enjoying the grace of the Lord? I am. And then he says, the love of God. So are you seeking the love of God? Are you enjoying the love of God? And the communion of the Holy Ghost. The communion of the Holy Ghost. His name was Hodge. But it is so true that that is what we need to seek until we find it. We need to seek the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to seek the love of God, and we need to seek the communion of the Holy Spirit. That will make us in one accord. Now, I want to take you to John now. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, he writes the following in his letters. You see, I'm just giving you Scripture here today, because Scripture expands Scripture. Is that right? Now we go to John, and he writes about the same thing. Why would John write about the same thing? I mean, this man was a fisherman. And now he's sitting in fellowship with a tax collector. Those are opposites. I mean, the fisherman didn't like the tax collector. Why? Because the tax collector, if they see they've got a big catch, what is he doing? Ah, more tax. Yeah, yeah, let me go and see John down there who's, who's you know, doing his nets there. And I reckon if John saw the tax collector come walking over the horizon, what does he do? Oh, there's that tax collector again. You know, wh what do we do with this fish? You know, we can't, oh, come on, you know. Yes, yes, Lenny. So what do we see here? We see here that when the Spirit of the Lord come, and He give you a new heart, and both of them has got new hearts, in the communion of the Holy Spirit, now when John sees Matthew the tax collector, he goes, my brother... And the world says, what? He loves the tax collector. There must be something wrong with that guy. And Matthew comes to John and he says, my brother, not because he wants the pennies in his pocket, but because he loves the Lord. Amen? This is the communion of the Holy Spirit. But let's hear it from his own mouth. This is John. He says in John 1.1, 1, 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard. Everybody say here. This is the ear gate. He says we've heard it, okay? Which we have seen. That's the eye gate with our own eyes. He says we've heard him, we've seen him, which we have looked upon. Now when you're a casual reader of the word, you will say, but seen and looked upon is exactly the same thing. Because what do you need to look upon something? Your eyes. But this goes a little bit further. You see, some Christians so-called Christians. They do the first two. They hear and they see. But they never look upon. What is look upon? Look upon means to intensely study a person. That's what it means. It goes a little bit further. They study Jesus. 
He says, which we have looked upon and your hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and which we have heard. Have you seen how many times he uses the word seen and heard in those verses? I think it's important because he's an important eyewitness. An eyewitness is somebody you hear and see, and they've looked into as well. So I take his words as gospel, if you want to call it that. He says, I've seen and heard and declared to you that you also may have fellowship with us. There is our word fellowship. Guess what Greek word is used here? Koinonia. It is exactly the same word that Paul uses in Corinthians when he talks about the koinonia of the Holy Spirit. We're on to something here. He says it here. He says, we've seen Jesus. He says, that which was from the beginning. He's talking about Jesus here. He says, we tell you, we declare this to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. That's the community of the Holy Spirit. He says, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. What do we learn from that? We learn that if we come into the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, it gives us joy. It gives us joy. I said it on Friday night. I said, you know, I spoke to a young man once and a few people, for that matter, who came and, you know, I shared the gospel with them and they said to me, but I'm still young and I, I still got so many things in life to do and to enjoy this world. You know, I still want to live a little bit, preacher, before I come to, to this boring life of Christian. I go, I go to him, I say, do you know what? I've also experienced all of those things you're talking about. But when I came to the joy of the Lord, it superseded all of those things. There is more joy in life now through the Holy Spirit. You see how beautiful Paul, uh, John gives it to us now? He continues on. In verse 5 he says, This is the message which we've heard from Him. The message. What's the message, John? And we declare this to you, that God is, everybody? God is light and He in Him was no darkness. There's no darkness in Him at all. If we say we have we have this fellowship with Him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. We do not practice the truth. You see, we sang these songs this morning. Everybody in this church, I watched you. You sang the songs. You tapped your feet on the beat to be pleasing to you, to be pleasing to you. Did you sing that song? Now, there's one of two things, and I said it on Friday night, hold on. There's one of two things. Either you believed every word that you sang, or you are a hypocrite. Well, I mean, that's a little bit harsh to say that. Hey, Brick. You want to mean you're calling me a hypocrite? Where is the only place that you can be a hypocrite? In church. <laughs> but this is what he says here. He says, 
if you say, he says, it, if you say you have fellowship with him, you call you a Christian, you sing the songs, you hallelujah as much as you want, and you want to be in the fellowship. Because let me just tell you something. Let me tell you, there are people in churches who are there by association. Yeah, it's true. There's people who will come to church because their mom told them to come, or their husband said to the wife, or the wife said to the husband, and they're pleasing each other to be there, and they sit in church, and there's something that's going to happen if you come into a group. This is, this is psychology. If you come into a group of people and they do the right thing, guess what's going to happen? You generally are going to do the right thing. Why? Because we, as people, don't want to stand out. If the crowd goes there, then you want to go there. Otherwise, if you go this way, people are going to go, why are you going that way? So we generally follow the crowd. So if you come into the crowd of the church, I find it so many times that people's lives change by association. But that don't last. Because you take that same person out of that circumstances and put him in the week and in amongst his friends and his workmates and he, he just flicks the switch and he's a different person. That's association. No, no. The church don't need association. The church needs people to come in and they cut by the heart. They are born again. And it's only then that you will come into the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It's only then. It's only then. The Bible calls them the lot people. Or I call them the lot people. Abram was called by God with a blessing and a purpose and lot just followed. Different message. Let's continue. Okay, he says here, he says, if you, if you say you have fellowship with him and you walk in darkness, you lie. You're actually a liar. He calls it strange. I said hypocrite. He calls it a liar and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, what happens now, John? What happens if we walk in the light? He says, we have fellowship, koinonia, with one another. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. And you should shout hallelujah. You see, you are also in this communion if you receive the Holy Spirit. You are also in this communion. It's not me standing at the door and say you are welcome or not welcome here. The Holy Spirit is the one. And the Holy Spirit is not like man. You can only come one way into the body of Christ. You can only come one way into the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. There is only one way. Otherwise, you are going to be like what I've described before. You remember when I said at night, when I sit there at my property and I hear people two houses from me at night having a good time. And somehow something draws you to that, isn't it? I would have liked to be there and hear and why they're laughing. You see, it is so that there's a lot of people even in church who sits there on themselves and they see the joy of other children of God and they hear that and they long so much for that and they just don't know how to get there. I will give you a scripture verse that will show you how to get into this communion. And here it is, Ephesians 1.13. It says, in Him. Who's the Him? Who's the Him? Jesus. Capital letter. In Him you also trusted. After you, Ergate, heard the word of truth. What is the word of truth? The gospel of your salvation. After you heard the gospel of your salvation, you trusted in Him, in whom also now you believe you were what? 
Everybody say it again. Sealed with what? Holy Spirit of promise. How do you get into this communion of the Holy Spirit? First of all, first of all, listen to me. First of all, you need to hear the gospel and react to the gospel. You need to be born again. There is no other way that you will come into the communion of the Holy Spirit. Oh, you can go to church. You can come. We've got a lot of food here for you, and we will go over to you. We will shake your hand and talk to you. But if you want to come into the true joy of the Holy Spirit, there's only one way, and that's via the cross of Jesus Christ. You must be born again. You see, it's not the other way around. He didn't throw Holy Spirit in front of the gospel. Holy Spirit comes after and during the gospel. When do you receive the Holy Spirit today? It's when you go on your knees and the Lord save your soul at that point in time. He forgives you your sins. And what happens? The Holy Spirit comes in and it makes habitation in your heart. And then, oh, what a joy. You come into the fellowship. You come into the koinonia of the Holy Spirit. He says he's the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Uh, Paul writes to Corinthians 1.12. He says, for as the body is one and has many members, but all members are of that one body being many are one body. I love it. So also is Christ. Now listen to verse 13. He says, for by how many spirits? One spirit. We are all baptized into how many bodies? One body. So it's not the Baptists and the Presbyterians and the Pentecosts and these ones or those ones. It's not them. Who is it? It is one body, the body of Christ. He says we are baptized into this body whether Jews, Greeks, or slaves, or free men, we have all drink into one spirit. Now, that was the foundation. Let me bring you quickly back to Acts chapter 2. You remember when he said they continued steadfast? There is four signs for life in a church. This is what it shows. This is not a model that the church needs to do now when we go to a, a home model or a Bible study group model. The Bible doesn't preach that, by the way, a home, home model, home church model. But people read meanings into the scripture to sell it to you. What happens here? There's four signs of life in the church after this. One is the apostles' doctrine. Now, doctrine is a code of belief. That's the teaching. Now, for them then, it wasn't the Bible. It was the Old Testament, and they were actually spending time with the apostles. Because the New Testament wasn't written yet. So that's the important part of it. It's the code of belief, the teaching. Second in the church is the fellowship. That shows you this life. It's the coming together. And then it's the breaking of bread. Now, many believe that this breaking of bread is the communion table, and that's right. But what these people did is they came together because breaking of bread is having a meal as well. You know, you, know, you can invite me to break some bread. and I'll, I'll, Okay, if you want to invite me to break some bread... I, in my mind, there's going to be a loaf of bread and we're going to break it. And I'm going to go, okay, that's fine. Thank you. We've broke the bread. I go, no, no. It's sit down and have a meal. I've had so many meals with a lot of you in the church. That's breaking bread. But what they did back in the day, it's at the end of that meal, they also had the communion. Remember the Lord. And then prayers. Those are signs of a vibrant church. 
strange, isn't it? Because if I use the word vibrant these days, what do people think? Band, isn't it? Band, and you know, we, we've got to be on live for Christ. You know, we've, we're on live, we're on fire for Christ. No, no, we preach the word of God, and what happens? The Holy Spirit gives us life. Life. I want to show you something here. In verse 42. If you've got an NIV Bible, I want you to take a pen and write this in there. Okay? Because this comes out of the King James and the New King James. It's, an, it's a small word, and you know we, I get so caught up on words, don't I? Okay, let me show you why it's so important. Because if you read in the King James Version and the New King James, it says in Acts 40, 42, verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Who's got an NIV Bible here? We're not going to call you out. Is there anybody who's got an NIV? Okay, if you don't, have you? If, if there's anybody, go and check it out this afternoon. The NIV has dropped off the word and there. They just say, verse 42, they continued steadfastly in prayer. And I ask myself, why? Why would you want to do that? Because in the English language, and is a conjunction word. Have you, have you learned that at school? It's a conjunction. And a conjunction word is a word that joins two words together or two groups of thoughts together. Say, oh, come on, preacher, get on with it. What are you getting to? I went to the Greek. Because remember, we've only got a translation. Your English Bible is only a translation from the original scriptures. So I went back to the original scriptures to see if that word and is there in Greek or not. And guess what? It is there. The word and is there. The conjunction word in our English is sitting right there. And I thought by myself, why is that little word so important? And, and the reason why it's important, because it points towards the they. And they. Who's the they they were talking about? The they they were talking about were the people who were cut to the heart. It is important to understand in the teachings of Scripture and the work of the Holy Spirit that led these men to what they were going to do next. But if you stake that word out, you put two opposite ideas, and this is why some churches now run with this last part of Acts chapter 2, and they build church models on it. And they say, no, no, this gathering together is not right. We should go back to the church of Acts. And what do we do in Acts? We go from house to house, and we sell everything, and we live in communes, and we give everything, and that's the pattern. If you don't do it, then you're not saved. That is not true. You see, one little word can change a whole meaning. The reason why that word is there, it is combining what happens further down this chapter now with those people who were cut to the heart, and what they did out of free will. Amen? The Bible is not only information about God, but it's written by God for us about Jesus Christ. Let me finish this morning. Look at verse 42 again. There's so much in this. He says, and they continued steadfastly. You see this? We can learn more from this. They continued steadfastly. What does it mean? Continued comes from this word here, proskartario, the Greek word. And proskartario means... It, it means to, to persevere. It means to attend something tirelessly 
in all of the exercises it's do. So let me ask you the question, is it important to come to church? Of course it is. But not only to come to church, but to continue in these things, into the doctrine of the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. They continued steadfastly to do this. And what happened? Then we see, the fear came upon them, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now again, there's a lot of people who come to church and say, we want to see wonders and signs in church. And what does the Bible say? Who's looking for signs? The Jews. The Jews are seeking a sign, and the Greeks are looking for wisdom. Yes? Now, I'm not saying, by far, I mean, we prayed, you know, I can tell you miracles. We're sitting with our brother here today. It's a miracle that the Lord saved his life. We prayed for that. That is a wonder that took place. It's a miracle of healing. And I can tell you about so many things. My sister testified about the miracles of God in her daughter's life. So I'm by far not saying wonders and miracles are gone. But what I'm saying, it's not for us as a church to chase them down. And now we're going to have a service on Friday night and it's a healing service. In other words, bring all the sick and God's going to appear on the scene. I don't do that. God will heal these people in His own time. Do we pray for them? Yes, we do. But the Bible says if somebody's sick, let them come. Let me take oil and let me pray and anoint them. Let's do what the Bible said. I'm by far not saying there's not miracles and wonders. But we should not chase them. It will happen in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. For too long in my life I've been in churches where they chase this down And all they do is they build expectation in people And it doesn't happen And they turn to God and say God why didn't you turn up He was always there and Here it goes That all things in common And their possessions and goods And divided them amongst them all Now there's people who say that we need to do that No, the, no we don't need to do that Do we? But what are these people acting on? If you go back to Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist was baptizing, and these people came to him and they said to him, What shall we do? And he said, If you've got two jackets, two tunics, give one away. I wonder if you sit here today and how much clothes you've got in your cupboard at home. I know, you know, sometimes I hang on to some jacket there and I go, I put it on and it comes to here. <laughs> I'm going, I say to Leone, I walk up to her and I go, I wonder what's wrong with this jacket. Did you send it to the dry cleaners? Come on, I mean, it's shrinked. And she goes, no, no, the problem is not with the jacket, it's with your stomach, man. And I go, oh, come on. I said, Lord, don't listen to this lady. She's not, no, Lord, she's not talking right. But you know what? I say to her, okay, I'm going to go on a diet and then that's going to happen. And it's still hanging there for five years. <laughs> Now, I repent, I will go this afternoon and take it to Salvos, okay? I'll take it out. <laughs> but this is what it's all about. He goes, if you have these things, give it to those who don't have. Because that takes away the pride and the collectfulness in your heart. But he doesn't say they've sold every single thing they've had. Why? Because I read there they still had houses that they could go around and break bread at these houses. If they sold even their houses and moved into a commune, they wouldn't be able to do that. So just to say, brothers and sisters, 
you know, I read this and I say, what a lovely fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That's what I read here in all of those scripture verses. Final scripture today, if somebody can call my beautiful wife. I want to ask you this question pertinently to you today. Let us continue steadfastly. You see, this scripture is not only what happened then, and they continued steadfastly. Are you continuing steadfastly? And I'm not even talking now about your church register, because I don't hold one, by the way. Because, you know, I'm not a babysitter to check whether you come to church or not. This is not that church. You are mature in Christ, and you need to understand where you're going to get fellowship in the Holy Spirit. But this is what you need to do as a child of God. You need to continue steadfast. You need to persevere, even when the going gets tough. Even when life throws really toughness at you, you still need to stay the course and to say, Lord, although life is hard, I'm still going to read my Bible and study and stay in the doctrine of the apostles. And, and listen, it's not the doctrine of the Kingsway Church or the pastor's church who's doing that. It's the doctrine of the apostles. Where do we find it today? Where's the doctrine of the apostles? It's right here. You read the Bible and study the Bible. No books. I, I find so many people, they buy books and then they use the Bible as a reference. Because they read the book and it says... They write their whole paragraph and then they say, reference, John chapter 13 verse 4. And then you go, okay, I better check that out. John chapter 13. Oh yeah, that's right. He said it right there. This is how people read. No, no, no. Throw that stuff away. Open up this, the doctrine of the apostles. Do what they say steadfastly. And then in the fellowship. I thank the Lord for this fellowship. I thank the Lord every day when I pray and I, I mention your names every week in my prayers. Each one in this church. Even our two new ladies, you will go into that list. Whether you come or don't come anymore, I will continue in prayer. And this is the wonderful things, brothers and sisters. As we come together, let's continue in that. Breaking of bread. We're going to break some bread after church. We're going to do it now. I invite you to go have some nice food there and in prayers. Are you doing that? Everybody, are you doing that? Yes. Now listen clearly to me. Continue. Turn to the person next to him and say, now he's talking to you. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word this morning. And Father, thank you that we've learned more about the communion of the, of, of the Holy Spirit, the koinonia, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, that we are part of that fellowship. And I pray for this fellowship, this church, and other churches like this one, Lord the body of Christ, Lord, that you will keep us and protect us. In Jesus' name, amen.